0: This week is Parshas Beshalach. I've been doing a lot of traveling. So I was I was not feeling well for two weeks before and we, we missed some classes because I wasn't doing too well. I think my uh, I'm a little overwhelmed by too much traveling, that's what's going on, and it didn't stop. And this time I had to go to New York, first for my mother's birthday, and then that was for Shabbos. But then after that, it was a whole week of speaking. You know, one night in Connecticut till, four in the, till three in the morning, and from three in the afternoon. So was, a, I should say, a little taxing. And last night, a lot of speaking in three places, yesterday and last night. And uh, not sleeping last night, and then flying here today and coming here today. It's a lot. I didn't prepare well. So I'm giving you the introduction why I didn't prepare, I only glanced and read very lightly, so, I'm learning this together, I hope we'll be able to figure it out, with the Abir'ster's health, the option of not giving the shi'er was not an option, especially since next week, Thursday, I'm going to be in Israel, so, but my son-in-law, we made a new deal, my son-in-law Mendel will start giving the Thursday night shi'er when I'm out of here, that's our new pact, so, I don't know what his setup is going to be, if it's going to be a 2-3 hour shear, I don't think so, but it is going to be a shear it's taking over. This shear initially started in honor of in honor of Mendel Zirkin's, my son-in-law's wife, my daughter Zisi. We started this shear for, for her years ago when she was six years old. So uh, we want to make sure that the shear goes every week, even if I'm not in town. So Be'ez HaShem, we're gonna be having this year. From now on, there shouldn't be any interruptions. There should be every week. He even offered to give it this week, but I needed to have a little bit um, thing in the, what do you call it? Uh, I needed to be here as well. I still forgot who I am. I don't want that to happen. So that's the story. So next week I'm traveling again but after that, I'm traveling again for a chasana, but that's very in and out. And the week after that, I'm traveling again for a chasana, but also in, in and out. And after that, we're stopping it because I have a fever for three weeks. And the doctors say they took all tests and they didn't see anything wrong. And the only thing they can say is that I'm just my body is just exhausted. So that's the situation. So I'm trying to get myself back to good health by traveling again the next three weeks. <laughs> but as a sashem, it's all going to be good. It's hopefully going to be a little more relaxed travel, not intense speaking and that kind of thing. Okay, after I've given that introduction, hopefully the mimer will heal me completely and heal everybody. Okay? So this week we have the Shira Sayam, the, the, uh, the song that the Jewish people sing when the sea split. But the Pasuk says, Vayar Yisro, the people saw, a, the great hand, b-mitzrayim, that Hashem did in Egypt. In other words, the Jewish people witnessed the greatest miracle. They witnessed the splitting of the sea. They witnessed how they went through the sea in dry land safely. And then how Hashem then cast the Egyptians into the sea. He tricked them by going in. And then He brought the waters back over the Egyptians, and the, 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 that that very threatening army was gone with a blink of an eye. Imagine that. Imagine the feeling of relief. Imagine the the, the, the watching the drama unfold when you didn't you didn't expect an ocean, a sea to open up in front of you. Imagine the the idea of of seeing an enemy that has you've been suffering from them for a few hundred years. All you remember. It's just this mighty monster of a, of a of a of a of a darkness of of pain and brutal suffering, and here they're gone like this. A world power gone, decimated. No one is left. All you see is the dead corpses washing up. It's it's, it's crazy with the with the char- with the chariots. The whole thing was like so wild. So the Jewish people sang, and the says before they sang, it says they saw the great hand that God that did in Mitzrayim, the great arm, I mean, the great miracle that Hashem did simply to the Egyptians. And what happened as a result of that, it impacted them very deeply. And we're probably still infected by that impact. and our collective consciousness, we're still affected by that impact. And what is that? The Jewish people experienced, the passage says, wa amas Hashem, Jews feared God. They had a very strong sense of fear. And they also believed in God, and Moshe his servant. So they feared Hashem and they had amuna in Hashem. They had faith in God and in Moshe his servant. Okay, so here's the minor. Why the Rebbe asks, did he did he put first the fear before the amuna? Because it says first they feared God and then they believed in God. What's the question? Why shouldn't it be first fear and then faith? Why does it say, what's his problem? What's wrong with that? So here he doesn't explain much what the question is in the mimer. Um, Even though I told you I didn't prepare, I did glance a little bit. So there is a corresponding mimer from the Mittler Rebbe, same mimer, but at the Mittler Rebbe's version where he recorded it. And in his mimer, he explains the question a little better. By the way, this mimer was set on Pesach because it's uh, a uh, splitting of the sea. It was set on the seventh day of Pesach in the year Tovkuf Samachvav, Samach Vav, which is the year of uh, 1806. So that's when the Alter Rebbe said this mimer. But in any case, in that, in the Mittler Rebbe's version, as I mentioned many times, the ones who wrote the mimerim, the Alter Rebbe said the mimer, and then there were those who recorded it. And there's different versions because everybody perceived it differently. And they wrote it as they perceived it, each one writing their own style. The Mithlodeb's style generally is very elaborate, very... So he usually if you read the mimer name, you'll get much more... Like the mimer over here in, in, in the Torah Ur is considered a short mimer. It's very concentrated. So this mimer over here in the, of uh, the Mithlodeb in Tavkos is fills in the gaps. In any case, he says... He explains the question. He says the question is, faith is something that you experience very deep, deep, deep in your in your soul. When a person believes in something, means it's more of a um, elevated experience. It's a very you, when you when you have when you believe something means that you don't experience it really. You're not really um, you can't have an emotional reaction to it. You're just believing in it. It's still it's still very lofty, it's still very removed from you. Um, but once, so usually usually you believe in something first, first you believe in it, and then if you get a chance to experience it, not only you believed in something, but you saw it with your own eyes, so then it creates within you a, an emotion, either an emotion of love or an emotion of fear. So if, so usually what comes first? First is the Yamuna, the faith, Faith is when something is still distant and far from you, so you believe in it. And then if you can fear it, means it's up and close. It's already emerging out and full, fully fully, fully permeating you into your, into your heart. Amuna is still like, Amunah is not even in your head. Amunah is hovering above you. To fear something means it entered into your psyche fully. And not only did it go past, usually in order to fear something, you have to know it intellectually. And after you know it, You can, In other words, you're up and close in it, and then you can fear it, or at least love it, or something like that. Here, it seems to be the opposite. It's as first they feared, and then they had faith. That's the question. For example, it's much easier to have faith in God than to fear God. Every Jew has faith, emunah in Hashem. Every Jew has emunah. Not everybody fears Hashem. Fear takes a lot of work, because you have to meditate. You have to bring yourself. You have to bring godliness to become very vivid Vivid in front of you, and only then can you fear it. So the question is: If they already feared, they were far more advanced than amuna than faith. So how come it says first they feared Hashem and then they had Amunah and Hashem? So the al is going to explain that we're not—it's not the same Hashem. When we say they feared Hashem and they had Amunah and Hashem, of course it's the same God, but it's not the same yud kevavke. That there's, there's two general levels in Yudke Vavke. One is considered the lower Yudke Vavke, and the other is considered the higher Yudke Vavke. And the higher Yudke Vavke is exponentially greater or incomparably loftier and greater than the lower Yudke Vavke. The lower Yudke Vavke, which is the name of God, the Tetragrammaton, is the name of Hashem as it is already um, coming close to create. God has already lowered himself down to become a creative force. Similar to the difference of Elokim and Yutke Vavke. Elokim, we say, is a con- limited divinity, a con- concentrated, contracted level of the divine. Yutke Vavke is more transcendental: time, past, present and future. So Yudke Vavke, in general, is higher, lofty, above above time and space. But here we're saying that even in the Yutke Vavke, there's two levels. What we usually call as transcendental Yudkei Vavke is really in our case called imminent Yudkei Vavke, a Yudkei Vavke that's much closer to creation. It's called Havaya. Yudke Vavke also comes from the word Hove, Havaya. We call it Havaya because it's making existence. It's being beingness. So therefore, by the very fact that we say it's a force of being, it's a force of creation, is already saying that it is related to the creation. It has already some kind of a connection to the creation. So that's one level of Yud Kevavke. Then there's a much deeper and higher level, which the Maimer is going to explain, where the Hashem's presence is still, whoa, whoa, very, very removed, high, high, and obviously infinitely greater than the lower Yud Kevavke, incomparably higher. And um, we usually, at best, have faith generally in the lower Yud Kevavke. That's what we 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 we, we learn in Chasidis actually, in um, in um, in, a, in different in that the lower Yud really is something you don't have to have a moon in. It's something that you can experience through a ve- in a very real, concrete way by doing what by recognizing that just like. Everybody feels that our body is alive, not because of our body is alive, but our, our body is alive because there is a soul in our body. And without that soul, we wouldn't be alive. We can sense it. We, you know, we realize the body is a dead thing unless there is an energy that's infusing it with life. And we appreciate that that energy is spiritual. Today I was on the planes. So I told you I didn't sleep much last night. So I was exhausted and I was sleeping on the plane. That got out of window so I can sleep and uh, you know but when you're sleeping on the plane you're obviously putting yourself like this like this so you're cutting off certain circulation so like every 45 minutes I'm waking up and you can like kind of feel that your bu- your limbs are numb you can't you can't even you hardly move your hand <laughs> and then you're like oh you're re- you're removing and then you feel and then you start feeling I today I didn't feel it thank god I hate when I feel it. When, it when it became so numb that you actually can feel the blood starting to go back in and then it, you can feel it like like moving through your fingers. Ugh, I hate that. But you can see it's coming back alive. And before that, you can, it's terrifying that you feel like, oh my, I'm paralyzed, I can't even move my arm. In other words, the body without the soul, the soul travels through the blood. If the blood doesn't reach somewhere, the soul is not alive. So if you get a little sensitive and you appreciate, a person can say, well, that's just the blood and my blood is like a machine, it's alive. You need blood, the juice of life. But if you're a little deeper and a little more aware, you recognize it's a spiritual power that's running through your blood and that's giving you life. So once you recognize that your physical body has life, and you, you don't have to believe in it, you just know it. You know it in a very real way because you can almost see it. Even though you don't physically see it, you can imagine it. You can imagine your soul like, you, like you're seeing it. Um, so it says you can also imagine, you, just like you recognize that, you can see the entire world as a large body. The whole world is a big, large body. And then you realize that God is the soul of the creation. So you don't have to have faith in that. That's something you can see. And that means that in the lower Utke Vavke, you can have more than an Amunna experience. You can have a, a very a very interactive experience, not just Amuna. Amuna is you believe in something that is beyond you. You just believe in it. You have like a deep conviction that it exists, even though you don't have any anything, any grasp on it. Okay. So that's what it's saying over here. They feared Yudke Vavke, means the lower Yudke Vavke. That they can feel, and that they sensed, and therefore they feared it. But once they experienced the lower Yudke Vavke, they got suddenly an upgrade, their faith suddenly rose up, and they started having a in a power of, of God, that God is not only the power of creation, but that God infinitely transcends the creation. They suddenly, they didn't, they didn't, um, know it in a way that they should fear it, but they knew it in a way that they can, they can have a moon in it. They felt they had a faith. They had a powerful conviction in the higher, in the infinitely higher level of Yudkei Vavke. And that's where we can understand why that says afterwards. First they feared, that's their first interaction, with the lower element of the Yudkei Vavke, that they were able to have a very, a very direct connection to, so much so that it was vivid to them, to the point that they can actually tremble, like you suddenly see the king, you see somebody very powerful or very great, and he's right in front of you. It kind of shocks you, it awes you. So that's what they felt. And then, but then higher than that, they sensed Hashem's on a much higher level, and that was their emunah. But he's going to explain that in order to sense God's transcendence, to feel that, and to really, in a real, in a real way. You can only have that through the tzaddik. For that you need to have a godly man whose soul is rooted in the infinite light and he can bring down that consciousness and that connection of this transcendental yudke vavke and that's why it says they believed in God and they believed in Moshe, his servant. Because without Moshe, their servant, we, have, we don't have the sensitivity to, to, even, to even have a muna in that level. We can't even sense it at all. It would be totally outside, outside of, our, of our scope of awareness. We wouldn't have any awareness of the higher Yud For For that you need to have the unique Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's, Chassidus always so explains, the importance of a Rebbe. The importance of a Rebbe is it gives you sensitivity. It gives you an awareness of God, a soul awareness. A Rebbe is not so much about what he teaches you or what. You know, you get a bracha from him. But Sadiq is here in the world to create the spiritual Wi-Fi. It's a signal. A tzaddik creates a signal, a signal of the divine. God (coughs) forbid that tzaddik isn't here, people become disconnected from God. They don't feel him. Moshe brings the highest level of this Wi-Fi signal, and every soul feels. So that's why in the higher faith that they had, in the higher yudkei vavkei, that's why it says twice, yudkei vavkei. It says, am The people feared Havaya. That's the lower Yudkevavke. Va'yaminu and they believed in Havaya, They believe that's another Yudkevavke. Ralts should just say, "Va'yaminu bo." They believed in him. It Doesn't say, "Va'yaminu It says, ba'Hashem," because it's not the same Yudkei Vavke like it spoke about before. It's a much more inner level of Yudkei Vavke. But in order to have that, you need to have Moshe, a tzaddik, the, the rebbe, so to speak. Who is that soul bonding power that gives you that sensitivity and the transcendence of yud And we're going to see why do you need that higher yud Vavke? What's wrong with just fearing, especially if you can fear the lower yud What's wrong with that? The answer is because if you only sense God as a source of creation, you have a certain sense of self that that, that is that that you can never pass. You have a certain self importance. You're also something. God is great, but I'm also something. <laughs> to really have the true experience of God, that he is and there's none but him, you have to sense God not as a source for creation, but God as he's utterly and infinitely beyond to the point that the all of existence is naught before him as if it doesn't exist. And when you can sense that, that creates total nothingness that you don't even feel yourself at all. And that's the way a Jew needs to feel in order for us to really be able to have the power to activate all the divine flow we need to bring Hashem Himself into the world we need to have the total Bittl and that total and nullification can only come if we have a sense in the transcendental Yud Kei Vavke, which again, until Mashiach comes we can only know it in a way of Emunah and at the end of the Maimah, the Altar is going to explain the Chidush of Yamoys Mashiach, the Chidush of the days of Mashiach. Is that the transcendental Yudk Vavke, which we can only have a moon until now, is suddenly also going to become revealed. And it's going to bring us, and it's interesting, here in the Mimer, he doesn't, we would think, what, what would it cause us? It would bring us to super fear. We would think if the lower Yudke Vavke revealed causes fear, the higher Yudk Vavke will cause the greatest fear. Now it does say so, but not in this mimer. And this Mimer says it's going to bring explosive joy. It's going to bring it. It's going to bring a joy that we can't even imagine. That higher Yudke Vavke. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You talking about souls and everything like that. Do you think that the people like that do all like, the, the bombing and, and around? The- they have. A, they have a spirit. They, they also have a spirit. It's not a godly soul. It's just a spirit. But it's a spiritual being. So spirit? it's a spirit. It, it, meaning, a spirit is like a soul. It's a soul, but it's not a. It's not a soul from from uh, from from a very, uh, it's, it, first of all, a Jewish soul is very different. The Jewish soul is peace of God from above. Yeah. Then there is the Gentile soul. And the Gentile soul is a spirit. It's capable to be elevated towards holiness. It's capable to get very dark and to go down. But it's a, it's a spirit. It's not just, they're not just engines without a soul. They also have a soul. But they have. Yeah. But and because a soul is a mixture of good and bad, every soul, everything in the world is a mixture of good and bad, they intensified the bad, allowing their soul to become more and more corrupt until it becomes super evil. Yeah, yeah, but they also have a soul. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they have a soul. It's a very dark spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a dark spirit, yeah. So let's learn inside. So now To understand why he So I did already the synopsis on the whole immer. Now let's see inside. To understand why he why he prefaces fear. Before amunah in Ic, it says in the Pasuk, It says, by what does it say? Vayikra, that Moshe Rabbeinu called out, Havaya, Havaya, Hashem, Hashem. So, this idea that there's two levels of Yudke Vavke comes from that Pasuk. Because it says, Hashem, Hashem. Why do you repeat twice Hashem? It's because it's two levels of Yudke Vavke. And there's actually an interruption between, here he doesn't say it, but in many memoirs it says, if you look at Yudke Vavke twice, we say it when we say Tachnon, uh, or when we say, your, you know, all the times you mentioned the 13 attributes of mercy during uh, Slichos, during Yom Kippur, and the month of El, all these things. So, what do we have? It, there's a line between the first one and the second one. It shows that these two are so unrelated, they're so far apart. Even though they're both referring to the same God. But this is God when God is like miniature, and this is God when God is infinite. It's the same God, but God shrinking himself down to being relatable to the creation, and God in his true power and his true exaltedness. That's his transcendental havaya. Okay. So, but it's interesting, who is the one who called from one Havaya to the lower Havaya? Who is the one who connected it? Moshe. That's why he's saying later, you need Moshe. Without that, it's almost like these two are disconnected. The higher Havaya exists, the lower Havaya exists, but there isn't bonding between the two, that we who are creations should be able to sense not only the creative power that's close to us, that's creating us, but also a far more distant energy that's encompassing all of existence. In general, in Hasidus, it's called Soviv Kalam, the encompassing light, Keter, the crown, the, 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 the God's... Infinite power—we have to feel that to really be a Jew, to really be able to surrender yourself completely. Moshe Rabbeinu VaYikra Havaya Havaya connects the two together. <speaking in> he <Hebrew> explains there's two levels of Shema Havaya of Latato, One of them is the lower Havaya <speaking in Hebrew> that enlivens all worlds, may and LiYesh from nothing to something. The lower Vavkei brings all of existence into... Now let's remember this, the lower Yudke Vavke is not not something to dismiss. (laughs) Without the lower Yudke Vavke, nothing would exist. The lower Yudke Vavke is the powerful force of the divine in creation. And what does it do? It's responsible for bringing us all into being from non-being. Everything. Every single thing is brought into existence from this Yudke Vavke. So now he says, let's understand what that means. When we say that the world was created ex nihilo. From, from something, from nothing to something. And to understand this term, from nothing to something, what's the problem? What's wrong with it? Yeah, the world was created, there was nothing here. Hashem didn't go to a junkyard and pick up a bunch of junk and then put it and create the world. Hashem started with nothing. And He created the world from absolute nothing. So, um, what's the problem? His problem is, it's not from nothing, it's from his energy. It's his power, so it's something from something. It's his energy, He's creating the world from, it didn't, if you learned that the Chas Rosholam, if you think there's no God, then the world just, boop, it came out of nothing. But if you know that the world, there, there is a creator, so it's coming from him. So how do we call it something from nothing? And the answer is, when he explains, well, like Siv, it says in the pasach, from you comes everything. Because you might argue and you might say, well, no, maybe God created the world without it coming from Him. He like he didn't use energy of Himself in the world. Maybe He just let the world become from nothing, not from Him. But the pasik says no. The verse says, it comes from you. That means there is a, co- a godly force that's generating creation. Now God, I'm sure, could have created the world without having a godly force creating it. Then we would be in big trouble because then we wouldn't have any relationship with Him. When we would taka be made from nothing, and there would, then, we would be doomed into atheistic belief, into non, and we would have no purpose of existing. That would be just a pathetic, um, um, useless existence that has zero meaning and zero purpose. But God wanted a relationship with the creation. So God did choose to create the world in which he is funneling his energy to create the creation. If that's the case, why is it called something from nothing? It's something from something from him. And the answer is an amazing thing, that it's true that God creates the world from a divine power. But if God was to allow his his light and his energy to be introduced to the world directly, then the worlds could never be worlds because he's infinite. And if he's infinite, every bit of his energy is infinite. The consequence of an infinite power is an infinite force. So whatever it would make would be infinite, not finite. So it would never result in a finite universe, in a finite existence. So in order for a finite universe to be created, and it should come from him, not like, I mean, again, as I said, God is omnipotent, and he can make the world just be without any force. It's not connecting to him. But as we said before, that's ruled out because he doesn't want that. He wants a relationship. So what does he do? He does want to create it. But the moment he gets involved and he's infinite, how does a world that's finite respond to an infinite energy? If I I have infinite power in my hand and I release an infinite power, then the thing that's going to fly is going to fly at an infinite distance because an infinite force is pushing it how do you end up with a finite effect from an infinite from an infinite gener- generating power so the answer to that is that when god creates the world he doesn't create the world from his true might and from his true power he first reduces his energy down to a tiny little crumb one tiny little one tiny little minuscule point of himself all of his infinite power, God reabsorbs into himself. And all he allows to remain is one tiny little, like a teacher who has this vast, vast, vast idea. Imagine Albert Einstein teaching the theory of relativity to people who didn't study any physics whatsoever. They're basically, you know, just a third grade class of kids, kids' class who haven't learned anything, you know, they're they're, they're basically, they didn't even have good teachers till now, they're just a bunch of... He's walking in and he has to tell them something. He wants to teach, so obviously he has to clear his mind from all of his... He's used to teaching the, the, the greatest thinkers and professors in the world, and now he has to talk to these third graders. So he has to, like, hide all of his incredible knowledge And and, and find, he wants to give them something intelligent, and maybe even something related to his true intelligence. But he has to find just one tiny little, the smallest little piece, a small little crumb of his knowledge. And that's just one point. He he zeroes down to one little point that he wants to say. But he has to make a whole lesson out of it. He's not going to give them just a point. So from that little point, what does he do? He finds that one little point, and then he builds a whole story from that little point. He builds a whole concept. Now that concept is so childish and so insignificant, but it's coming from that one little point. And then he builds it and constructs a whole new world of, 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 of you know, but this is like, the, the, this is going to become the, the intelligence of the students on an infinitely lower level than what he, what he knows. And then after he constructed it in his mind, he's still going to have to find metaphors. He's going to have to bring it down. First he took a concept that he can construct. So first is, first is the kernel of the idea. Then he has to flesh it out to make it into a whole lesson. He, wants, he doesn't want just to just one more point. He wants to like turn it into something that can they, they can manifest in their lives. It's not just a point, you know? Um, then, And then he has to find examples that are tangible from the world of the children. And then, finally, he teaches and the the kids receive it. And then they go home and they have a whole they're excited. They had this old man in their class. He looked so smart with big eyebrows. And they go home and they say, wow, they had a lesson and it was so interesting. And when they found that it was Albert Einstein, they think they know Albert Einstein. But they don't know anything of him. What do they know of him? He didn't give them himself. He gave them a little nothing of him. So we can now say that the class that they received is it is it, it's nothing it's something from nothing because he didn't give he didn't take from anything of his true knowledge to give them he first found a nothing point and then from the nothing he created a whole a whole thing that process that i just related to you is the process of yud ke vav ke. yud is a point hey is expansion of that point take what thing Think what a he is. A he is taking the point and making a line like this, pulling the line horizontal, vertical and horizontal, creating a space. That's the bina, expansion. And then the vav. The vav means bringing it down, lowering it. And then the, the latter he is this is the student receiving it. So that's why we say God created the world something from nothing because God also first finds just a tiny minuscule point of energy, which it's... In Hashem completely left his true, true self, his, his infinite being, because again, if he would just even release something of the infinite, it would always be infinite. He has to cut off of the infinite, and that's that point. It's like, and that's why it's called something from nothing, because the energy that, is, that, that Hashem does leave, which becomes that yud, and then that yud becomes the hay and the creative life force, even though it's a powerful world that creates the cosmos, it manages, it creates the planets and the galaxies, and and everything that there is, everything this magnificent world with the billions and billions and billions of stars and everything—it's crazy what the world consists of. It's all being created by this tiny little yud Vavke But this, obviously, you understand that this yud Vavke is not tiny. It's, it's it creates all of existence from absolute nothing. But it, is co- it itself is called nothing compared to what God did not reveal. So therefore it's not even considered, Hashem is not creating it from Him. He's creating it from something that I, from God's eyes is nothing. That's the idea. So as he says, Ah, uh, since since, Kimahusay Musa is barak Hashem's very self. doesn't have a relationship to the worlds. The Ein nothing can compare to him. Not like, oh wow, God is the soul of the creation. That means there is a creation, and you know how He is. He's giving it life. That means that, that means that he, His greatness is related to the, to the, to the, magnificence of the world. That's not true. And therefore, because He's so beyond, built the kabul Chiyusam, the worlds could not receive their life force for His Savusam, and they're coming into being only through the name of Yud I knew, and that is Al-Yud and that is through the process of contraction. chenas Yud. Hashem first reduces his entire, his, his energy, down to one little crumb, which is a Yud, one little dot. And when we say over here he reduces, means he actually contracts, he, 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 he uh, limits it. He hides the infinite and finds only the finite, a finite force. Not within his infinite, he finds a finite power. And then that point has to now be designed to create this entire, this entire miniature Legoland, which is the universe and all the worlds. And that's what he's creating. So then it has to expand into a hey. The expansion of His radiance and His light. It says, Kihu v'nivra'o, That God command, commanded and it was created. So then he learns a Pidush over here that I don't remember seeing in the before. I'm sure in all the years I probably saw this this line, but I don't remember it. Such a Pidush. It says, Hashem Hashem, Praise the name of God. It's... What's, which name? The name of Yud Kevavke, the Tetragrammaton. Why should we praise it? Of course, you're going to praise it because that's what your life ex, uh, um, 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 consists of. Everything we have in our life. Every single thing we have in our life. Everything that exists in the universe, everything that is our reality is Hashem Hashem. It's the Yud Kevavke that's creating it. But what do we say? Because this Yud Kevavke, Tziva, has commanded Vinevro when they were created. What does that mean? Ki Yud means that he... Tziva means when you command someone, means you create a, an attachment. You're commanding, you're, you're communicating. And what it means is, Yud Vavke Vav is where God attaches himself to the nothingness of creation. This super, mega, infinite, inconceivable God that in essence shouldn't have in any way, any relationship with this non-entity called worlds and creation. It's such a nothing of a nothing of a nothing of a nothing, He should never even even notice it, that it even exists. That's how nothing it is. But because he decided to emanate of himself an infinite contracted light, which is the Yud, and from there he builds the Hei k. So that Yudke vavke tsiva, it kind of attaches itself. It it bonds vinevro when he allows them to be created. Without God bonding with them, focusing his 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 his, um, his attention on them, they can never be created. But in order for him to do that, he shrinks himself infinitely. That's the idea. He bonds with the creation means he shrunk. It's as if it would say, "Praise God for shrinking Himself and cre- and everything was created." He shrunk himself down to be a life force of creation. And that's the lower Yudke Vavke. This is the Ludke Yudke Vavke, that's the power that creates the world. Now, from, from our perspective, it's infinite. It creates everything from nothing, not just our physical world, but also the world of the angels, the world of Yetzirah, and also the world of, of souls, and even the world of Atsilus. <laughs> everything is coming from this Yudke Vavke. But compared to the Ain Self, the true ein Self, this is considered a little minuscule nothing, like Einstein finding the silliest thing that he can teach. So here God is now shrinking, and that's Tziva, and here he's bonding down the Nivro when they were created. Now here's another, another another point. Again, I don't know how much he emphasizes it here, but in the Mithlareb, he emphasizes this point. The truth is, when we say the worlds were created something from nothing, there's another problem. How in the world even does does the world notice itself? If God, there's no place devoid of Him, and He is, and He's infinite. And ha- what do you mean, created? Created? You're a somebody, you're something. H- how are you something even? He is. There's none but Him. He's infinite. He's he, he He. His presence cannot be cannot it cannot not be. And if He's there, He cancels everything. What do you mean? And then, if anything, you're Him. Nothing other than that. You can't be a something. There's no something. There is no something. It's ridiculous. And the answer is, had God not shrunk Himself down to be a force for creation, and had Hashem created us somehow from His infinite light without reducing it, then we would never be creations. Even if we would exist, we would exist melted in Him. That's how we would exist. We would exist like a carving inside of Him. And we would just feel ourselves as Him. We wouldn't have any self of self. That's what we would be. We would be like a melt, a God melt. We would be like, in Him. But because He shrunk and left that infinite, and shrunk Himself down to be minuscule and small, Ah, and we're responding not to the infinite power of him because that remains outside of our experience. That's not the force that's forcing us into existence. That's kind of hidden and beyond and above and aloof. What's our life force that's, that's, that's giving us energy and power? That's this little tiny lesson that the teacher set aside for the student. That's the mamala and the indwelling light. That's this little yudke vavke. <coughs> and that yudke vavke can leave room for something to exist, because it's not the absoluteness of God that must cancel everything. When do we say that God cancels everything? When do we say that Hashem cancels all of existence with His infinite light? Take care. Yeah, yeah. When do we say that Hashem cancels everything and His existence will not allow anything else to exist, that's when Hashem's Revealing and engaging us with His infinite power. When Hashem is engaging us with His infinite power, then we are lost in Him. We have no existence. But when God pulls back of His infinite power, and that He leaves it, and that He leaves transcendental and above, and He creates us only from the mamalik alam, and, oh, that can allow us, v'nivra'u, to, be, to, to be in to feel ourselves and be something. So there's two things over here in this pasuk. Praise Yudke Vavke. Which Yudkei Vavke? The lower Yudkei Vavke. Kehut Siva, because he bonds, as we say, shrinks towards us. Vinivro, and that allowed us to have beingness. Why? Because we created the ash, something from nothing. Because this lower Yudke Vavke is not considered him. It's considered nothing compared to him. Even though it's made up of the subst- him, it's a ray of him, but it's still, it's still in value, it's nothing, uh, as he says. <laughs> it says Because he, who's the he? It says who? Which is he? Who's the he? It refers to that says right before it. Yahalalu Shemavaya, praise the name of God. the avaya, and that name avaya, Hutziva, This is what has bonded Loshan hiskashros. He commanded, which means also he bonds it. Nivro and they were created on their own. Loshen nifal, they came into being. This. For who? So this is the this is the idea of the lower yud kevavke. We said earlier that the lower Yud comes after and is derived from a higher Yud Kei Vavke. So what's the higher Yud Just like in this Bechina, this level. There needs to be a contraction and an His Pashtos and an expansion Havaya of the of the name of Havaya, in other words, you need to go through these four stages of Yud Ke Vav So we turn over the page. So too, there is shame Havaya. There is a Yud Ke Vav above Gam which is also Yud Bchinah which is the Yud, which is the Simtzm. And what does this mean? And this is the the desire. Let me go back to Albert Einstein going into the classroom. So, when Albert Einstein goes into the classroom and he's faced with these little children, he's, he closes his eyes for a minute, sits down, and begins the process of thinking what he's going to teach them. Okay? And he finds it. He's pretty quick. So, he finds that point and he does this contraction, expansion. Um, uh, what do you call it then? Uh, downward flow I don't know I don't have to find the word for it and then again expansion so he does that, that that four process but why is Albert Einstein in the first place in a classroom with third, with third graders? what's he doing there so obviously maybe he decided that kids need to have different teachings. Maybe he's frustrated when the kids come to college and he feels that he doesn't have much to teach the, the older kids because they're not being trained well so he has this ambition. Back when he's sitting in his office,, or else why would he even go to teach a third grade? It's because he's deciding at a certain point that he wants to begin educating people at a very young age, so maybe they're going to have actually maybe they're not going to be so dumb. So when they go through college, hes gonna give them, he's going to give them little kernels, little ideas, and so that they can later have a much higher uh, expansive mind if he begins to teach them when they're very young. Also, when he had that thought, he didn't acclimate himself yet to the classroom. He didn't acclimate himself. But he has to already begin thinking, just in his desire, that he, but he knows that he is Albert Einstein and his classes are never going to be understood by a third grade, by, by uh, what you call six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. They're just not going to understand it. So he, so he, does, he has a, a, a desire. He didn't yet contract, but he has a desire to contract. He knows, and he's thinking in his mind, what is he going to do to teach? And he realizes, oh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna have to contract down to a point. Then I'm gonna have to expand that point. Then I'm gonna have to find tangible, um, um, what's it called again, Uh, tangible examples. And then I'm gonna have to lay it out for the kids. So at this point he's not doing it yet, but he wants to do it. In his will and in his thought, which is not yet an actuality and it's still in his lofty, lofty place because he's still in Albert Einstein's state. When he actually walks into the classroom, he shuts down Albert Einstein's uh, higher knowledge and he actually just filters down to that, to be the, 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 the third grade teacher. He has to move away from there. Here is process of Yudke Vavke, his process of point expansion is really minuscule and really has a relationship with the students. When he's still in his in his decision, when he's still deciding that he wants to do it, he's still completely in his lofty place from his exalted place with all of his understanding, he's appreciating the great the importance of that contraction and that descent. That at least he has a will and a want that he wants to do it. But we understand that on this level, the Yutke Vavke is infinite. Because it's still on that higher level. Because it's not a real contraction yet. It's just his desire that he wants to contract. It's still within him. It's not yet to the students. And it's the same as with God. Before Hashem actualizes this descent of Yutke Vavkei, he first plans it within himself. He carves it out, so to speak, in his infinite self. And that's the higher Yudkei Vavke. And on that level... There's no stepping out. He's not. He didn't go out of himself at all. He's still completely in his world, with a want to to be a communicator. So now let's see. Just like in this level, there needs to be a contraction and expansion of Yud kevav ke kach, the top of the page. There's a higher shem avayy gamkein yud a yud a contraction. And this is the desire that God has it arose in his thought that he should emanate the ten spirit. that the world should exist. just like by example by a person before a person actualizes his work from potential into actualization, he first has it designed and and he has already a picture of it in his thought. Echum is what he's going to do, even though he didn't start yet the actual process of you know selecting the material and doing so and so. He still has it. it's all part of his it's all inside his mind. And in this too, but here's the thing. Even in this just desire state, he has to already cut ca- He has to already design the project. So he has to have already that idea that he wants to contract. He knows what it takes that he's gonna have to teach these kids. So in his will, and if he doesn't want to, who needs it? Who wants to contract? He wants to ah, but here he has a reason. What's his reason? He really feels that he'll get he'll accomplish so much more. So therefore it he he wills that he should contract. So but he plans the contraction. With a will at that point, and that itself is already the contraction. Over here too, there is a yud. This is a contraction first, and afterwards a hey, which is an expansion, and then a vav, and then a hey. Same thing. But if here again, it's only in desire, so it's not yet an actuality. And this and this level is called the concealed world. What does it mean, concealed? There's no worlds yet. Yeah, there is all of existence in a concealed state. But what we really mean over here is the the life force of creation is still very much in Him. It's not expressed. That's why it's called. It's concealed. Because let's put it this way. When the teacher walks into the classroom, and even if they're not talking yet, but they're already thinking of how to teach, they're looking at the kids, they're finding, they're... So they're already in a stepping, you can see revelation. You can see they're coming out of themselves. But when he's still closed and indistinct, no one even knows he even has such a plan. He's sitting alone. He's completely within his inner world. It's 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 the whole idea of him teaching these little children is still on the loftiest of stages, in in an inner inner state of his, of his being. And therefore, the project is still concealed in him. Later, it begins to activate and come out. That's called the revealed world. So, the lower Yud vavke, even though it's not the world yet, it's the power of the world. It's the power of creation, is the revealed power of the world because this is actually the ten spherot that are going to actually create the world. The higher Havaya is called Alma Descasia, the concealed world, because it's Havaya while it's still embedded in Him. It's called the concealed world. It's not. It's not seen and it's not revealed. Like the lower havaya, and that's why Paroy said. And he's in Alter Deve says an interesting thing. Paroy said, Mi havaya." Who is havaya? The Alta Deve gives a lot, a lot of credit for Paroy over here. it's interesting. He makes, creates this very Hasidic Paroy over here. Why? He says Paroy didn't. He, what he denied is not God. He denied this transcendental Havaya. He recognized. So in Hasidus, a lot of times it says that he knew the name of Elohim, he knew, but not the name Yud Here the Altar ever raises it on much, gives Pare far more, far more credit. Meaning, um, he says not only did he know the name of Elohim, he knew even the name of Havaya as a power of a force. But what he didn't, what he said doesn't exist, is he denied the Havaya Deleelam. The higher avaya, we'll see soon what that means. <speaking in Hebrew> and that's why Parui said, "Me who who is avaya? Shelo And he didn't believe. Lipchen asema avaya deli to the higher Shema avaya. Ki bevaday because definitely shame <speaking in Hebrew> delatata the lower Shema avaya. Hamahava kala oilemois that is in that bringing into existence all the worlds. Yada he knew. Isn't that interesting? How the the the, 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 the Alter Rebbe says. The lower Havaya that creates all the worlds? For sure he knew that. How come? Maybe he was just an atheist, a non-believer. So the, the Tzema explains, because we said earlier, the fact that there is a, a power, a force, a spiritual force that's emanating and creating the world, that's visible. you got to be stupid not to see that. See what I'm saying? That's visible. You don't need faith. A Yidza Emunah is only in this higher Yud Kei that God is, that God is, and there's nothing else existing. That's how high a yid believes. That there's only because a yid realizes that, that this power of God has that that the greatness of God is not that he's the battery of creation. It's not that he's the electricity of creation. He's the life force of creation. That's not that's not who he is. To God, creation is a non-event. It's nothing. It's, he has to shrink himself. <laughs> it's like someone. It's like you know. Um, <sighs> oh. What happens is, imagine the two kids in the classroom start having a a debate. And one kid says to the other kid in that third grade class, you know, this new teacher that we got, he's really a college professor. And the other kid says, nah, he's a third grade teacher. The fact that he's his third grade teacher, he acknowledges, he knows, he comes into his class. But the fact that he is, that he's, that he's I and mean, all the other kids is, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not just the, he's the, like, you know, he's like the guy. He's, he's, he's Einstein. Ah. That's the denial. In other words, the denial is, is, is the Abish there, is, is there a Havaya that's, and why did Parish, oh, let there be a greater Havaya, what does he care? The answer is, if, you're, if you only know the lower Havaya, then you're somebody. Why are you somebody? Because take a look at God. God is only God, a superpower. He can only be, reveal His powers by creating you. Meaning, what makes what's God's greatness? He created a world. So I'm contributing to God's greatness. I'm His handiwork. So I'm something. If you say I'm nothing, then, God, then what did God do? He made nothing. What's that? So there's a certain chashivas in my existence. I'm God's piece of art. So I'm also something. But if we realize that what? That God created all the world something from nothing. Not from something. That this is an embarrassment for Hashem, in a sense. This lower Yudke He didn't create the world from his true artistic power. And then the world would be infinite. He created the world from a, a nothing of him. A crumb of nothing. then then the worlds have zero significance and then one has to be completely nullified and surrendered and serving God completely. Because you have no existence. And there's another thing. If there's only the lower Havaya, which is a source for creation, then that lower Havaya has already certain definitions. We said earlier, the lower Yudke Vavke is already a force for creation. Hashem took a point, and that point he developed. So how much can God now manipulate the creation and completely change it? From the lower Yutke Vavke, not really much, because he is the life force of creation, which means he designed himself to be the source of this design. It's already a design. It's like, you know, when 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 you write it when when, when someone goes and makes a blueprint of a house. And uh, and it's a lazy contractor. It's a lazy contractor. It's a lazy. It's a lazy architect, rather. And you know that you're going to ask him to. You don't like exactly what he did. So you know what he wants. So you want him to change it. So what does he do? What does he do? He might make some changes within the blueprint. He's gonna make over here, he's gonna make over here. But that's not what you want. You just don't like the whole entire thing. But once he made it already, he's kind of stuck in it. You understand? He's willing to tweak here, tweak over there, fine, but you're still gonna stay with the general design if you just totally don't like it because you just didn't want this at all. Ah, So you have to catch him. What does he have to do? He has to completely go out of this entire sketch, get back to his clear creative mind where he doesn't have any design, anything. If I'm there, recreate. If he's lazy, he doesn't want to do that. you understand? But I'm saying from once you have already a sketch, the sketch is sketched. You can change a little, but it's not going to redo the whole thing. So therefore, Paré is arguing that God is not really so much, he can't really change the system, because this is the system. He doesn't realize that this whole system is only a, 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 uh, the external element of the divine. But God really is infinitely transcending this whole system. It's only like this because he wants it like this. And if he wants it differently, it's completely different. It doesn't have to be this way. From the lower Yudke Vavke, things are already fixed in a certain shape and form. Much more than from, than infinitely more, meaning it's already rigid, defined, set, as opposed from the higher Yudke Vavke, where it's, the worlds are just his will. That's all that they are. So he wants it like this, he wants it like that. So basically what it means is that we are so much more dependent on God and we can't depend on anything else if you're in, th- if you're in touch with the higher Yudkei If you're only in touch with the lower Yudkei you kind of believe in the system. There's certain systems. You know that God created the system, fine, but you take the system very seriously. And therefore, if, you're in, if the system is that when you work seven days a week, you make more money, then if you work six days a week, then you kind of say, there's the system, you know, if I, if I care about my pranas I have to stay open on Shabbos. But if I realize that what, that God is really transcendent and totally beyond it, and all, all that it exists is really only God's will, so there's no system, I only believe in one thing, only the Eberster, and all of existence is totally cancelled. The question is, it's not just a question, is there a higher Yudke Vavke? the question over here is, is that higher Yudke Vavke Something real to creation. Does it? Does it? Does it? Does it? Does it? Because it's not really two gods chas v'shalom. It's it's one abisher on on two levels. So we're 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 as a Jew we we're 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 sensing God in a much deeper place. So two things. Number one, we recognize that we are absolutely nothing, and therefore we have an inherent deep biddle to god and therefore we're willing to live our lives just for him and even give up our lives if that's necessary it's a complete inherent surrender because of this 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 i that we sense because we we're not really a creation cuz again to be a creation is only from the lower yud Vavke we realize that the, it's the higher yud leaves no room for existence we exist just inside of him and lost in him that's all it's his will so that's number one. And number two, how much do we give credence to anything other than, than, uh, than God, what God says, what he wants? So if we believe in the higher Yud Kevav where, where we connect to it and we sense it, then we recognize that none, we're, just, we're just in his hands. There's no system. There's, no, there's nothing you have to obey. There's nothing besides the Ebersch as will. That's all you have to do in this world. And God will take care of you. Okay, if God tells you to go work, you go work. But it's not that you give it value, you give it significance. The only thing you give you value is that you say you're brachis, and you take care of other people, and you uh, daven, and you, uh, you do what God wants. And that's it. That's what, that's what you got to do. Because he is, and if he needs to turn nature around for you, we will do that too. Because what's the big deal? Nature is nothing. It's all lost in him. It's all nothing to him. That's why tzaddikim transcend nature, because they feel this very strongly. The lower shame <laughs> of but Paro doesn't live that way. Paro looks at the world as something, and therefore he looks at himself as something. He's full of himself. He sees the world as something. And even if he admits that there is a God, he kind of limits God to be the the to be to be uh, you know def- defined by the definitions of the world that he's creating him, that he's created. But by Yetzias mitzrayim, what does going out of Egypt mean? going out of Paroi's narrow-mindedness, getting out of the constriction, getting to see God for what God truly is. When it went out of Mitzrayim, it says, The Jewish people saw the great hand of God. What's the great hand? This is the revelation from the greater, from God's greater side. Not this minuscule Yudkei They got to see the transcendental Yudkei Vavkei. The higher Havaya. Not only did they come to a, a recognition, here's the amazing thing, not only did they come to a recognition in the higher Yudke Vavke, the yudke Vavke de de'le'ela, the higher Yudke Vavke, which again is going to lead them to a life of total bittul and nullification, and amuna in Hashem, that Hashem can do whatever He wants, and relying only on God. Not only that, there's another Indian. And that is, they, they came to an amazing recognition. That God Himself, since, since really the entire Yudke Vavke, on the higher level of Yudke Vavke, is purely a will that God wills. As we said before, Albert Einstein has been sitting in his, in, in his college um, uh, um, study, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, um, study room or library, in his own private quarters for 60 years. Never thought of elementary school children. Didn't dream of it. It was like he couldn't even handle college kids and, the, and, and, and giving lectures for professors because they're too limited for him. He's not interested. He never thought of these little children of this classroom. It's totally nothing to him. What changed at all? What changed? He had a desire. He had a will. And that will is what opened up that, pa- that channel for him eventually to lower himself down and, 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 and contract and co- come in and start teaching. And now he's constantly in that state. He loves it. He feels he's accomplishing so much. But it's all driven by that one will that he decides to do that. And why am I saying that for years he didn't? I want to just show how much without that will, without that turn, it doesn't even exist. The smallness, this whole small world of little children doesn't exist for this great professor. So without God having this, 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 this rut zone that he wants to contract, Without him having a will in the Yudke Vavke, and which Yudke Vavke? In the higher Yudke Vavke. As we said before, God has the will to contract Yudke Vavke. So he wills, the first Yudke Vavke is nothing more than will. But even that is a contraction. He's contracting to making the decision that he wants to go small, even though he's still big, but he's making the decision that he wants to go small. So now, what we're saying over here is, um, oh, so the question is, what. What makes God do that first? If He's really infinite, what makes Him transition to want the smallness? Why you Kei Vav Why? And here's what the Jewish people chapt, what the Jewish people got. We're the ones who activate that. We're the ones who change. This is phenomenal. We're the ones who 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 whet the appetite, so to speak, to God to even want something like that in that transcendental, infinite place of Havaya for God to even think of a contraction of a descent and a thing. Obviously, at the beginning of creation, he willed it on his own. But even then it came from us because what did he will? He imagined pleasure that he would get from a creation that serves him. And that's where it all started. So it all started really from us, but he stimulated it. And we know every year Rosh Hashanah we have to re engage God to make that descent. To make that descent, to want a relationship, to want to create. So that's the idea to hear these things. The Jewish people saw Sayyad Agdailah, the great hand, and hear these words Asher Asa that makes Havaya. There is a great hand that may Asher that makes Havaya. That means Havaya has to be made. And where is that Havaya made? bimitzrayim in Egypt. Oh. They suddenly realized that by being in Egypt the last 200 years, what they were really making was making this Havaya. What does their being in Egypt have to do with stimulating and making the Havaya? And the answer is, the system is as follows. God is our shadow. God is our shadow. And whatever we do, He does. Who can get God to contract to smallness? Who can get Him to do that? We need a contract. When we contract, He contracts. What does it mean that God is contracting to smallness? He's deciding to leave His truth behind to leave his comfort, who he is, and pay attention to, to an impossible existence that can't even exist, but he will, he will make him space to exist. By what? By, as we said before, miniaturizing himself, and and and, and 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 So basically what God is doing is giving up on his comfort, on his expansion. And what causes God to do that? Every time we say no to our expansion, And do what he wants. When we do a skafia, skafia means we bend our will. We have a will. I have a desire. I have a desire right now to lay in bed. That's my desire. That's what I wanted. And God says, go give the Thursday night cheer. So, I don't want to. But I didn't do it this time because God said so. I did it because I felt bad for Ariella's and all the good yidna. Uh, but 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 um, if I would do it with God, maybe on some level it was because, maybe it wasn't. Maybe on some level it was because the want wanted. In any case, so this contraction causes God to contract. Because you know why? That's the way it is. Where you know Rabbi Jacobson was here the other day, and he was talking about how. He brought the, word, the teaching from the Magid. It's from the Rebbe, the Rebbe in the in the in the in the in the Mimer, from Tafshin Chav. The Rebbe explains how why the Jewish people saw God at the Yamsof. They saw him like a like a, like a young like a young warrior, and when, when they went after Egypt, they saw him as a little child, and when they by Har Sinai, they saw Hashem like a sage. So what they really saw was they saw themselves where they were when they were children. God was a child. And when they were at the Yom they were a little more developed already spiritually. God was that way. Because God, we because Hashem is so deeply in love with us, like a parent who always has the, the, his child's image embedded in his head. So when your child is a baby, what kind of image do you have of your child? The baby face. And when your child is a teenager, if you have the image of your child in your head, then that image is... And if your child is 50 years old, and you're 80 years old, and you're thinking about your child, you're seeing your 50-year-old child the way they look when they're 50, and not seeing them the way they looked when they were. So therefore, God's image of us changes based on our development. So but when we but but since that image, he it's 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 inside him, that means he looks that way because we're in him. It's a it's a parent who carries. So when we saw Hashem being young, it's because we were young. So we're seeing a reflection of ourselves in him. But the idea is that Hashem makes Himself be who we are. So that's the secret that He says over here as well. Also Havaya, who creates Havaya to be Havaya, bimitzrayim. Mitzrayim means contraction. When we contract, because the secret of Havaya is the fir, the main, the main, the main of Havaya from all the four letters of Yud, Kei Vavke, Vav, The real hard one is the Yud the Yud means you have to completely step away from what was before, from the infinite knowledge, energy, power force that was before and you have to get down and you have to completely leave all that behind and find something tiny and that's not even reflecting you, but something so that you can ha- give it to someone else or whatever you want to share that with. So it's a very big surrender of self, that's the Yud. So when we surrender ourselves for God and we don't do something that we want to do, right? For example, we made very good, um, uh, what's it called again, cinnamon buns. I know I spoke about cinnamon buns a few years ago and everybody was happy. It's like the most fresh, delicious cinnamon, but they're made with butter. They're made with butter, okay? And um, you're looking at the clock and you want to eat them already and you realize that you're fleishik, just another 10 minutes. And you can tell yourself, you know what, it's it's almost six hours. It's almost, you know, I think it was almost. uh." And then you're stubborn, and you say, no, it's not six hours. It's 6 hours and 10 minutes. So you, you deny yourself what you want, the I. I say, I want that cinnamon bun. And everybody else is enjoying them. And you're sitting there saying, no, I'm not. You wait out the 10 minutes and then you have it. Ah, you said no, you made a tzimtzum. You know, for God's sake. So by you making yourself know for God's sake, what that is doing above is you are actually causing at the very beginning of beginning, the first movement that God is going towards the world. Not on the lower yud kevav in the higher yud kevav because in the lower Yudke Vavke, we don't have so much effect. Because the lower Yudke Vavke is really dependent on the higher Yudke Vavke. It's just, it's just actualizing the higher Yudke Vavke. What we need to do is create the will for this. And the will, that's the higher Yudke Vavke, we literally impact the, the Ain Self in his pure Ain Self of Ain of, Selfishness that he should contract into the first Yudke Vavke. That's how deep and powerful. Our effect is. And the Jewish people realized that by the Yamsaf, that they have such impact. So Ashur Os Avaybi that was made al b'chinas mitzrayim, through the concept of mitzrayim. Mitzrayim means contraction. What does that mean? Like the Zohar says, Ahad ba khulu. What does that mean? That means really when a person, because Mitzrayim, the Altadeb is learning not just contraction, but also beating. Because one of the main things about Egypt was that everybody was beaten up. They were beating everybody. That's what it is. So spiritually, there is there is also a service of beating. There are times you got to beat yourself up. What does it mean when you beat yourself up? So the Altadeb explains in Tanya, based on a Zohar, that when you find that your heart is very smug and resistant and cold, and even when you're trying to, to daven and learn, you're not, you're not firing up. You don't feel energy. You don't feel your f- soul ablaze. You feel kind of numb, cold, and uninspired. So the Alta says, it could be it's not lacking in your meditation. You're learning, you're meditating. Problem is you have to have a thick ego. You feel very, you're very good about yourself. And that thickness of self is not allowing any godly light and he compares it bring based on the Zohar compares it to a log that you're trying to get on fire you want to you want to make a fire with firewood so sometimes it doesn't go on fire when won't it go on fire if the logs are very thick sometimes what do you do so you have to splinter it into smaller pieces you take an axe and you chop the log into thinner pieces and then when it's thinner the, the it's because it's not so dense the fire will be able to get into the inside of it so the Zohar says a person feels that he's not going on fire, take a spiritual axe and beat yourself up. What does that mean? Start looking at yourself and, and finding where your faults are. Meditate about it a little bit. Don't think you're such a great person. Start saying, you know, I, I've done this, I do this, I'm, I'm not so perfect, I'm not so good. Look at all the faults that I have. And, th- and then you come and bring yourself to a point when you don't feel so good about yourself. You feel broken, heartbroken. And then you've broken and now try to daven and learn You'll see your hearts will respond to God so quickly. It's just before we couldn't, because you were just too too much of a Metzias. You were too comfortable with your own existence, and you, you, the ego, the self-importance didn't allow God in. So that's part of what we mean, that you have to contract yourself. You have to go into Egypt, is doing this work. <speaking in> because <Hebrew> we're not able to. Arrive to the higher avaya, to get and to stimulate the higher avaya can only do it through turning away from bad. It means you have, to start, you have to start first with a no and then a yeah. Because again, as a Jew, there are two types of service. You can do good things, but you can also diminish bad things. So generally we say that I focus mainly on doing good. True. But if you really want to, like, touch the deepest place, it has to start with a first denial of what of, of self. Surmeyrah. Because that's the yud. You have to first get the point. Once you have, once you've contracted, once you broke yourself, once you stepped out of yourself, and you gave yourself towards Hashem, now you can start doing good stuff. But you have to pull yourself out of ego. And that's the same thing by God. He, he also has to leave the infinite his first movement is also a contraction, a saying no to himself. Hashem also has to be humble to do that. We humble and He humbles. Um, the no comes before the yeah, and that's why we say Yutke im Shin The Zohar says that the Hashem's name is Yutke Vavke, the four letters. So. Um, the the Zohar says that Yudke is connected to the the prohibitive commandments and Vavke is the latter two letters of Hashem's name is connected to the the, uh, positive commandments to the doing commandments why? because the Zohar says that if you take the word Shemi Hashem says this is my name so the Zohar says on that pasuk Shemi is Gematria 350. Shmi, Shin, Mem, Yud, 350. If you add another 15, Yud, K, it becomes 365. So the Zohar says that corresponds to the 365 prohibitions. And what does that mean? That by keeping one of the 365 prohibitions, you connect to Yud, K, of Hashem's name. Then if you want to connect to the Vav, K, of Hashem's name, so the Zohar says, Zichri, the word Zichri, remembrance, together with um, another 11 Vavke, plus the word zichri gives you 248 that's the positive commandments from, with, from here we see that through a mitzvah you're bonding with the Vavhe of Hashem's name but through a non-sin through not doing you want to do a sin and you don't do it you want to say lashon hara and you don't do it you're connecting to Yudke to a much higher level so what do you see? this is the same idea that, the, that what takes you to a higher place, what's the beginning, is yudke. And that's through a non, The yal is highlighting over here the bittal element of a Jew. Not doing what you want to do is the most important thing over here. And then afterwards, once you pulled yourself away from yourself, don't just sit there, and now that you pulled yourself away, I didn't do anything, okay? I'm not, I'm not doing what I want. Don't stop over there. Now when, you've, when you stop paying attention to yourself, start paying, paying attention to God and do good things. It shouldn't stop by not doing. You're not going to build anything by not doing. But you're going to create that transition by the not doing. And you're going to bring God from, from, from his, so to speak, daydreaming up there to turn down to, to know that he has a business to create the worlds. And to, to, so you have to pull him out of his lofty infinite self to turn to us. You need his humility. And that's going to be based on our humility. And through our arousal from below... When you contract yourself to do turning away from bad, you cause above the yud, you cause Hashem also to, to 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 pull Himself away from His infinite expansiveness and to find that one little point for us, which is the contraction. Then when you do good. What's the difference between not doing and doing? In not doing, you're contracting. In doing, you're expanding. So once you expand in a holy way, you cause God also to expand in a holy way, which is what? Taking that yud and creating an entire lesson out of it. Just like we said before, the teacher, the professor, finds a point and builds a whole structure out of it. That's already doing good. That's a positive expansion. Like for instance, you give tzedakah and so forth. And you cause God to have an expansion, which is, uh, which is the expansion. And I was going to explain, how did the Jewish people see this by Egypt? When did they see it? Not only did they see it by Egypt, they saw it particularly when they came to the sea. When they came to the sea, that's when they realized two things. Number one, they realize God's superpower, the higher Yudke Vavke, the place where all of existence is totally nullified to God completely because God is not even a source for creation. That's the higher Yudke Vavke. Number two, that that itself is being affected by our, by our avoda, by our things. Where did the Yidin see that video? When God made the sea become dry land so what is that that's as follows what does it have to do with Kriyas siyams so he explains sea is the context like we know there's two two levels of life two 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 general states of existence one is called the concealed world and one is called the revealed world which by the way we already spoke earlier the lower yud kei which becomes the force of actual creation, that's called the revealed world. And the higher Yudke Vavke, which is still deep in him, in his infinite desire that he wants a world, but it's still inside of him, that's called the concealed world, right? Yeah? The concealed world is Yudke Vavke as it is inward in him. What happened by Kriyas Yamsov? The concealed world became dry, became accessible. We went in and there was no... And when we say it became accessible, it became so... It says, Hashem made it dry. It became so dry, there wasn't a trace of wetness. If you felt the floor, it felt like a floor of a desert. There was no moisture. It was dry. There wasn't even one bit of wetness. What does that mean, spiritually? It means that this entire concealed level that is usually hidden and hidden and hidden and concealed, no one knows it because it's Hashem's... Prior to His expression towards the world. It's still inside of Him which is a, this infinite dimension which you can't know, it became, why? Well, because it's wet. Generally it's water. We can't live in water. Not only did God make a pathway into it, He dried it up. There's no water there at all. It's completely dry land, which means it's completely accessible. You can Mama, go in there and connect to it. And that's what happened. diskasya, and the Yam is concealed, the concealed one. And that is reflected in our sea, because the sea and the dry land are both parallel worlds. Talmud says, everything that there is in dry land, yesh bayam. There is in the sea. but dry land is the concealed, is the revealed world. So when, how did the Jewish people know? How did the Jewish people know two things? Number one, how did they even feel this transcendental yud kevafke, and how did they know that they can they can impact it?" That their contractions, their service of God is what gets God in the mood to even begin a relationship with the creation. How do they know that? Because when they saw that God took the concealed world and made it revealed world, He split the sea and made it into dry land. So they saw it's accessible. We could connect to it. (laughs) That the Abish took the sea into dry land. (laughs) And He made the sea be dry. Belishum lach There wasn't any moisture there at all. Same idea that the, when Hashem created the world, Hashem did the same thing. What did He do? He stopped the waters. He caused them all to gather in a mikvah. What's the mikva? The mikveh is the ocean, because in the beginning the whole world was covered in water. Then Hashem made it to go and to gather in certain places, and there should be dry land. B'terah ayabasha, and dry land should be seen. So at that point, they realized, they believed in Avaya. They realized that if it happens in this world, it means that the higher Avaya could be revealed to us. From this concealed state, they can connect to it, they can attach themselves to it, and they can live by it. That's the main thing—to live by the higher Avaya. The people um, feared God. And they believed in Avaya, that faith in Avaya. When it says they feared God, the lower Avaya, that too they increased their awareness now because they saw the miracles. And it hit them so strong, the lower Yudke Vavke, that they actually feared it, they trembled. Galya, the revealed world, which till now was like kind of, you know, they believed in it, but right now they actually experienced it. sasaga, and on that level they can actually understand. And therefore, they can can also fear it. And when you see something, when you see a powerful force, what does it do? It brings you to feel shame in front of it. You feel tiny and small. It's like you're suddenly in the room of a very big tzaddik. Or even if you're not suddenly. you, you, You were walking and whatever, and like people used to go take dollars from the Rebbe. Uh, you started getting very uncomfortable when you were on the line. And the closer you got, you get more uncomfortable. To the point when you're standing there, you feel so ashamed. Not because you did anything bad, you just feel ashamed with your whole existence. You feel so insignificant in front of such a big tzaddik. So when you're standing and you're experiencing face-to-face God, you feel you're, 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 you're ashamed. <speaking in Spanish> like someone who sees the king. So that's the lower level that they feared. <speaking in Spanish> but now they also upgraded. And they can suddenly have awareness and a and havaya, havaya That's the higher havaya, alma diskasya, the concealed world. It's not visible. It's not uh, understood. And they, even then, even by Kriyas Yamsuf, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't wrap their minds around it. They they didn't. They, this is infinite. They can't fear it because it's not close enough. Ki Oh, but the very fact that they had Amunah in it came from the revelation. Without this powerful revelation of ma- Hashem making the dry, the 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 the, the, the wet, the, the, the ocean, the sea, dry land, you couldn't even sense it at all. It would just be outside of them. Now that it was sensed, at least in an Amunah they go in. And that's why it says, he's explaining this idea that this level you can't fear. This level you can only have amuna, because it will remain lofty. It will remain aloof. That's why we find, we say, in davening we say Hagodol, Hagibor, the great one, the mighty one, the Hanoirah, and the awesome one. Awesome one means the one that's being feared. The Hanoira and the feared one. And the Altar Rebbe says it's interesting. Take a look. Hagodol, Hagibor we say without a vav. And only the we add a vav. The Okay, I understand Hagodol, you're not going to say the Hanoira, because it's the first one. But the second one you should say already. Hagodol, the Hagibor, the because I think in in uh, in Hebrew, you don't only put the and by the last one. You could say v by the other ones as well. You don't have to say yankel chayim and moishim, Right? So over here, how come we don't have the vav in front of a only by hanoira? And the answer is what does hanoira mean? Noira means, norah means, means that God casts a fear over you. Nora means your he's the he's the feared one, and ah, in order for him to be feared, he must miniaturize himself because we need to be able to experience him and feel him, and we can't feel him up close unless he shrinks himself down to be the super god that creates the worlds. But that itself is a tremendous shrinking of himself, like we spoke earlier. But in order for us to feel him up close, he has to do that because if he remains. In his transcendental, he's too far from us. We have no grasp. We have no vision in him. We have, so he's outside of our senses. If he's outside of our senses, we can't fear him. So, Haggadol HaGibar, that he's great and that he's mighty, can be even when he is above. But Noira, he has to come down. And that's what the Vav is. What's a Vav? A Vav is a line down. Hashem has to lower himself down to be mighty. Not mighty, um, to be awesome, that, that he casts fear upon us. For him to be noira, that you need to have a vav. He has to draw down. That he becomes uh, feared. Okay, so that's the idea, that's why we're explaining that the lower Havaya we can fear, the higher Yud Kevavke we have a in. Now he's going to explain, what's Moshe doing here? It says, they believed in Hashem and Moshe his servant. So I told you earlier, without, a, without Moshe's neshama, we would never be able to experience. This is so outside our zone. This is so private inside God. It's not possible that people that are in the universe, that are existing down here, we would never even appreciate how far we are from this. There's no way our souls are anywhere capable of having any inkling that we should even have amunah in this. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu is called the faithful shepherd, which means he nurtures our amuna. He drips the amuna inside of us. What does he mean he drips... He drips our ability to sense God. He gives us that Wi-Fi. He nurtures that amuna, because without him, we couldn't feel it. Like, we couldn't have that amuna in Hashem's true self. But and das. And why is Moshe that power? Because he's das. What does das mean? Das is the focus that you focus on something to the point that you feel it. It's real to you. You know, you can you can have all the information about God, but it's not real to you unless you have a Rebbe. A Rebbe makes it real. That's it. You can, you can learn svarim. you can have it. It's not. You need a Rebbe. You need, a, you need to be to a Tzaddik. And that Tzaddik is able to give you Das. That's the secret of Moshe Rebbe. He has the Das. We gave an, a, 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 a very important class on that last year called Moshe Our Moshe. I brought like tons of sources to this idea. That Mosha without Moshe there is no there's, no, there's no sense, there's no true sense of the Divine in a, in a, in a person's neshama. In the transcendental element of the divine yes the lower where you can see everybody can experience. because Moshe is from the seven shepherds and he is the one who draws to us to the general ensemble of israel emunah that's why it's called the faithful shepherd the roya nemon that he's the faithful shepherd in aramaic it's called reyam and in hebrew it's called roya nemon he nurtures, and he feeds, and he supports, and he draws into our soul. Like it also says, and all of my house, he is trustworthy. Over here it means, he is the one who receives the amuna. He is the headquarters of Amunah. And he is the one who connects the sensitivity Of the two Havaya, that one Havaya, the lower Havaya, should be sensitive and feel the higher Havaya. Because once Hashem drops the lower Havaya down and separates it, kind of, emanates it outward to be a source of creation, it's possible for that energy to kind of lose touch with Hashem's higher Havaya. The two Havayas could be separated. Moshe connects them, as it says, Vayikra Havaya Havaya. He's not just influencing us, he's influencing the whole divine power in creation to remain attached to its source. It's possible that the energy in creation can float away and become, like, not conscious of the Ebrister's higher self. Like, basically, I'm a little feverish, I can say things that I wouldn't say other time. He basically keeps God together, Moshe Rabbeinu, as well. Or else, you know, like, the, the, the various different energies can kind of, like, float away. Where one becomes, like, this becomes the source of creation, and that's like, eh, there's a disconnect. And Moshe Rabbeinu, that's Das. He, he's a divine power of Das. Das, when you're not in a state of Das, you're scattered. When you have Das, you're focused. It focuses your, all your, your entire being into one thing. And that's why the sages say, Sages say, Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Jewish people, What does God want of you already? What does the to want? All God wants us to fear are God. So the Gemara asks, is that considered nothing? Fearing Hashem is very difficult. Well, why do we say it's considered nothing? So the Gemara answers, who's talking? Who says this? Moshe says it. For Moshe, Rabbi, it's a small, it's not a big deal. Fear is not a big deal. It's a small thing. So in Tanya, he gives already a whole explanation in it. I'm not going to go right into it right now. But what does it mean according to this? According to his peerage over here, it means, means that fearing God, fearing God, is considered literally a very small, small madrega compared to Moshe. Why? Because the fear, the level of fearing God, we said before, is in the lower havai, and so people, can, people that people that the lower yud Vavke is all they can access. So to them, if they attain it, it's a very big deal. But Moshe Rebbeinu was plugged into the higher Havaya, And to him, if you're experiencing an experience that's only related to the lower Havaya, not to the higher Havaya, if you're not... And which the higher Havaya you can't fear. The higher Havaya you can be aware of, and you can melt into it, but not fear it. Fear it is a feeling that you're a somebody, and you're very much experiencing and fearing it. But you can't fear the Abish. You can either be him, or... I mean, in some way, it's called the highest fear, but it's not a fear of a tremble. It's You don't even exist. So in Moshe Rabbeinu, he's not trembling. He's just non-existent in Havaya. And therefore, a Jew who's shaking like a leaf in front of God, big deal. It's a small level because obviously you're only experiencing the lower Havaya, which is fearable. In other words, you're, you're experiencing God as a king, as a mighty power. But God is infinitely beyond that. The truth absoluteness of the Ebershop. So, monashach Either you're just having a moon in it, or if like, you're like Moshe, you're plugged into it, then you just don't exist. But it's not that you're fearing. Fear is a feeling when you have a self, and, you feel it, and you're standing next to something very big, then you fear. So to Moshe, and being that that's only Shayach and the lower Havaya, because lower Havaya even if you feel it, doesn't cancel you completely. As we said earlier, the lower Havaya supports your existence. So it doesn't cancel you completely. So someone who has fear of God, even if it's a very powerful fear, to Moshe, who's 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 the man, who's the being who's plugged into the Avaya Delhielah, this is Milsa Zitrasi, it's a small little, it's not considered a, a high. He's not impressed with it, so to speak. Oh, but once Moshe Rabbeinu, Moisha gives us a, a ride, he picks us up. Moshe is our elevator. The Jewish people were elevated to the higher Avaya. And how do you see that Moshe elevated us by Har Sinai, not by Har Sinai, by Kriyas Yamsov to the higher Havaya? It was when Moshe told the Jewish people, Stop making noise, be quiet. It was the moment when he told them that, he basically was teaching them, How do you experience Havaya Deliela? He wasn't teaching them, he was bringing them into the experience of Havaya Deliela. When you enter into Havaya Deliela, you're mute. You don't shuckle and make a fear. You just don't exist. That's what he said to them. you be silent. Because he took them into the experience of Avaya The concealed world. Okay, the last piece now. Now it says in the Passover, now he's going to explain. Then it was experienced in Amunah, when Mashiach will come. It's going to be, even the higher Avaya is going to open up to us fully. And what we're going to experience of it, as we said earlier, is an uncontrollable joy. A joy that is that is just gonna be it's an infit. because because when you experience a in a in in a let's see, it says in the pasuk in the river they crossed or they will cross with their feet. Sham there we will rejoice in him. So this pasuk. Um, is implying that we will enjoy, that this is in the future it's not talking about the past because it says we will we can't really even have joy because real joy of a Jew comes when God is revealed to him is joy is when things are revealed and now in our days in this level there's no galus. The lower Avaya could be revealed, but the higher Avaya can't be revealed. all you can have is faith. because the body conceals. when will come, when death will be eradicated forever. death is going to be eradicated, which means there won't be any more, the body won't be concealing anymore. The body, because then The very fact that the body won't have to die anymore is a sign that the body will become purified. There won't be any more klipa left. So then, k'siv ki ayin bi ayin yiru, eye to eye, we're going to see. That means, and it's interesting because this week we were celebrating um, uh, um, Yudshvat, and it's seventy years to Yudshvat. And my theme, and that wherever I was speaking everywhere, was on this idea that now is the time. Seventy is ayin. I and bi and it's time that the eye to see the eye. It's eye to eye we will see, the opening of the eyes. And it's interesting that in the mimer that I'm teaching this week, it really says I and bi and eye to eye. Yehru explains the deeper meaning of what does it mean eye to eye. I and bi and eye to eye means kasya. It means opening up to this higher level. Opening up to this kasya to this concealed level kalalman which is the level of Sayyidh kalalman, opening up to this high level of Sayyidh Kalal'min It's, it's, it's eye eye to eye you will see implies two visions what are the two visions? The way the Alter Rebbe seems to be explaining it is, we're going to see the lower havaya, and we're going to see the higher havaya. These are the two eyes. The concealed world of Kalam and the encompassing light. God's hands. You know what that means? Four lines from the beginning of five lines from the beginning of. Of the last paragraph means it says beneath the hands of the world." so what does that mean? It's referring to God's hands that are wrapping themselves around the world, which is the Seif of Kalam, this higher level of youth So that's going to become revealed. The Almadiz is also the revealed world. the two Havayas will be revealed. Havaya Havaya, both of them will be revealed, Kila why is it going to be revealed? Because again, we're going to go through the ocean. We're going to go through—I'm sorry—a body of water, just like by Yamsuf, we went through, and the concealed world was revealed. That we're going to go through the river, and he's going to he's going to split the river into seven passageways. And it will be a a, a passageway to the remnants of his people. Like it was to the Jewish people, when he went up from Egypt, the concealed will, will will reveal itself. And this it says in the pasuk: In the river they will go through with their feet. Then we will rejoice. Then we will rejoice. We're going to have a grasp in the higher avaya. How is it possible we're going to have a grasp in Avayyda Leihel? We said it's not graspable. You can only have it in Amuna. That's the Chiddush of Mashiach. That's Teyrasei Shul Mashiach. Mashiach's is going to be his Galus of Kalam and in a way that we can grasp the ungraspable. Now it's only in a state of Amuna. Sh- sh- now is when we make it happen. Meaning, today is when we generate the Havaya. Remember we said earlier, Today is when we generate it, through every time we break our egos, every time we do a skafia and a whatever, we receive that reward, that we're able to experience. Now we need to do through departing from bad, in a state of Bittl, and in a state of surrendering to the Eibishter, in other words, we don't understand it. We just surrender. We acknowledge. And an hour work. And an hour work below. We cause above this to happen. Canals, we said earlier. And that's why the sages say, An amazing thing. The sages say, Someone who doesn't bow down by moedim, which means someone that doesn't activate this yud. What is bowing? Bowing means surrendering, it's the bittle. It's the Yud. Remember we said that everything has to start with sur going, And it's expressed in a bowing. So the sages say, someone who doesn't bow down by Moedin, his, his spine is going to become a snake. That's what it says. The sages, yeah. Sages are really cool, no? They came up with a, with a, with a real good one. They said, oh boy, we're we going to get people to bow down by Moedin now. Everybody. <laughs> you want to have a spine, a snake? No. So bow down. What is a deeper meaning? it means like this in order for you to experience this are talking about by, mes, by the resurrection of the dead so here's the thing why, why are the dead going to be are going to be resurrected they died already which means life the life force that was within them didn't have any power to give them more life and therefore they died suddenly they're alive again hold it what's with you you died already. The answer is that, yeah, the Mamala Kalaman life force that was there is measured. So even in a person, it has a measure of how much body and soul can live together. And then it expires and it dies. Once, how is trias Samesim going to come about? trias Samesim is going to come about because the soviv kalaman will be revealed. The world will start responding to this infinite power. God, God is going to be creating the world... From the from the ten sphero that are still inside of him, not never left him, and therefore they're still infinite. There ain't so, and that's what's going to be felt within the creations, and therefore even dead things, like even though the body died already and kind of expired from life, this life is going to make it live and live forever. Then I'm saying it's a much higher infinite life for us, oh. but in order to be able to prepare for that light and live with that light, we said before. To, you have to do it today. You, today you activate the savi of and You connect yourself. Not only do you connect, you make God have that, that yud ke-vav ke inside of him. We said before, every time you bend your ego. So therefore, it, if you don't bow down by moydim, bowing down by moydim is the source for every time you say no to yourself. That's what bow down, because bowing down means I'm surrendering to you. So if you're not doing that, then your spine is a snake, meaning your spine belongs to the other side, it belongs to the unholy, and which that will eradicate. That doesn't can't respond. It's it's why because that's unholiness. Unholiness is that it doesn't have bittol. And to live in this reality means to live included in God, to be part of His His reality, to live as Him, not as us. Because if we live as us, we only have very little. We are we're, we're very we're, we we expire very quickly. We live as Him. We live forever because He is forever and He's absolute. So when we become part of His reality, how? because we identify with His to the point where we suddenly don't even feel us, we were suddenly just Him coming through our bodies, and then we live forever. But for that, you need to have every person's avodah. We, whenever we do Torah mitzvah, we bend and we yield for God, which is all rooted, it's every mitzvah, but what really is the root of it? At least bow down by moedim, at least do something. And if you're not bowing by moedim, which is that idea, then your snake, which means your spine, which represents your entire structure, your being, it was just about yourself, it was never in, in, in compliance with something higher. And therefore you're not, you, you, you didn't stimulate this, and therefore you're not going to be part of that soive of Kalama revelation. So your, <coughs> your thing is a snake means it belongs to the other side, and it's not resurrected. because and now he explains what's the, what's the quality of Moedim. Bracha means when you understand something, you're drawing it down. Ha'inam shacha, it's a drawing, something that you can appreciate, understand. P'chanes ha'idah is when you're surrendering to something bigger than you. Ha'dah is similar to, to Amunah. which is bittl. P'chanes tshuva which is the idea of chuva and ma'isim toivim. I think tshuva is the idea of ha'idah, complete surrender to God. And ma'isim toivim, good deeds, is, is the bracha. Good deeds are already... Already more related to your metziahs. Like we said before, you have first the Yud, and then you have an expansion, a hey. That's why the sages say, it's better to have one hour of tshuva and good deeds in this world. From the whole life of the world to come. One hour of good deeds in this world, tshuva, repentance, and good deeds in this world is more and more valuable than, an entire, than the entire existence of Olam Haba. So what does that mean? What is olam haba? Olam haba is not ganeden. I'm sorry, no no. In this Maimar Chazal when it says the entire olam haba it means ganeden. Souls. Doesn't mean triasames. It means the experience in this context. It means the experience of ganeden why? Because ganeden only relates to the lower yud kavvakin. It's just that down here which the lower Yudkei Vavke, as we said before, God as he shrinks to become a source for creation. So in our physical world, even that we don't feel, and we can only learn a little bit, try to understand, whatever, feel a little bit. In Ghanedin, since those worlds are more refined, clean, pure, so that there the the power of Yudkei Vavke is felt very strongly. But what? Only the lower Yudkei Vavke. So the entire Ghanedin experience is only in the lower Yudkei Vavke. It's not on the higher Yudkei Vavke. That's why the value of the entire Olam is nothing compared to what's going to happen here after T'chiyas after the resurrection. And what's going to happen here after T'chiyas HaMesim is, what's going to happen here after T'chiyas Amesim. what's going to happen here after T'chiyas Mesem is what? Is, is a result of our mitzvahs that we do. That's what Chazal say. It's every mitzvah, because in the mitzvahs, when you're drawing them down, chuva amay simtayvim, chuvah good deeds in this world, is more valuable, because you're actually connecting to an infinitely superior energy that's not just a little greater. It's ain't sof greater Kichaya, Olam Abba, could the life of the world to come whom avayi deletata, is the lower hava'i. Be'yud nivra, with Yud, with the letter Yud, Olam Abba was created, but it's the lower Yud. Now we go on top of the page. Masha, enkin tshuva mayisim toivim tshuva and godidz, shall yadam through them naseh, we make, pchenes havaia del we create, l'chayar havaia, kenes kaliyam, v'dafka al yideh pchenes moeshe, but you need moeshe, because without a moeshe, we have no attachment to this level. Moeshe attaches us to this kanal. L'chayin that's why it says, by moeshe, v'yikra havaia havaia, he was the one who was able to connect the two havaia's. Va'yikra koy al Moshe. Moshe called out. Shem He's the one who calls. U'mamshech, and he draws down ma'avaya from the higher avaya, Tata to the lower avaya. psiktame. Initially, there is an interruption because remember I told you that between the two avayas there is a line. Now Moshe is able to blast through that line, make the lower avaya feel the higher avaya, and to bring into the consciousness of us Amuna, and the ability for us to surrender and break ourselves so that we can stimulate and create and bring about this will inside Hashem, the higher Avaya, for the contraction. Through Moshe becomes detachment and the connection of these two levels of Avaya. So that's why at the time of the splitting of the sea, it says, Oz, yoshir, Moshe and the Jewish people sang. Then they sang, and it says, they dafka sang with Moshe. Because Moshe brought them up to this. And what did they say? They said, I will sing to God, He is great and greater. That's these two Havayas. He's so high. This concealed world. The mountains of darkness. This, it's beyond light. <laughs> After the Jewish people were elevated to such a high level. They're experiencing a song. They're singing their way up to Hava Yedaliela. They're like, whoa. They didn't want to leave. They were in a trance. No one wants to go away from this experience. Moshe has to drive them away from the sea. He forced them away from there. Why? You know why? Because if once you experience what it means to be inside God, you never ever want to go back into the struggle where we feel ourselves independent and outside, like we are now, and we're, we're existence as beings, and we have to surrender you know, all that, who wants to do that? But, but here's the thing, in order for us to create that Yud Kei Vavke, we got just a little picture of it, but in order for us to stimulate it so that it can be revealed when Mashiach comes, we have to do it in the darkness. So, why? Because we have to break our egos. Once If you're in there, there's nothing to break, you, you're, you're just one with Hashem. The fact that you you break yourself, you have a self, and you break yourself, that's what's going to cause Hashem to descend from His, Himself, and to emanate this Yud Kei so He can have a relationship with us. So therefore, we can't stay in the concealed world by the Yams of where Moshe took us. We have to go out, and Yidin didn't want to go, so Moshe drives them out, and it says, El Midbar Shur, to the desert of Shur. What does it mean, the desert of Shur? Shur means to see. Shur means vision, see. Like it says, um, uh, what's the Lushanay? It says, um, Ashurenov ata." Billam says, I see them and not now. Sure means to see. So Moshe had to take them to the revealed world. Okay, this is the concealed world that's not seen. So Moshe had to chase them back out to the concealed world. He forced them back into their own identity. He had to cut them off. He had to say, okay, Wi Fi shut. they're oh, like, ah. Oh, oh. Suddenly, they all felt very. Distant. They almost went. It was an experience of going from Moichin to Godless experience, expansive Moichin, and go back to Moichin. said, "Okay, you know what? It was just a. It was just a uh, preview of what is going to be after Tzias Ames. his into revealed world. alma the revealed world, and over there, what happened?" Over there, they immediately, once when they come, and they, what happens they come to bitter water. Because once we go out into the outer world, there is already choices of good and bad, and we will, we will end up with a lot of bitterness. <speaking in Hebrew> they came tomorrow. <speaking in Hebrew> because the revealed world, which is Malchus, which is already the, the, the external, God as he's already, the Mamala Kalalman, the, 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 the energy of God that is already far more chitzaniyistic out in the world, that uh, gives life to klipa, the bad stuff. It leaves room for Klippa. In this higher place isn't possible for Klippa. That's why when Parah goes into the sea, what does he do? He dies. Jewish people went there and they thrived. Parah can't exist there. But when you go into the outer place, that, over there, there can be, Parah can live and, and all kinds of bad stuff can be. So they came, to a, they came uh, to, into bitterness. And that's the idea. And Hashem shows us a tree who ate in the tree of life. What does that mean? We're going to get Torah and mitzvahs. And through Torah and mitzvahs, even though we live in the revealed world, we're going to be connected to the concealed world. It's different. We're not going to remain in the consciousness of the concealed world. During the next 3,000 years of mitzvah observance, we're going to remain in the, in, the, in the revealed world. We're not going to have this experience of being existing within God in our consciousness as if we're Him, which we really are. But when that dimension is, going to be, is blocked from us. But the fact that we don't get threatened by the marah, by the bitterness of the world, is because we have Torah and mitzvahs, and they keep us connected. The tree of life, that's, there's, there's no klippah. And corresponding to that was also, similar to that, was also the 42 encampments, travels. Shem Kenegat Shem corresponding to the name of God of 42, which we know that that's the name of Hashem, that's in, related to Malchus. They're going higher and higher and higher. And also, Shemembez is a name of God that has to do with, with elevation. So Moshe threw us all the way down, Midbar shore, which was outside, and then we began a process of going higher and higher and higher, but still within the outside, in the outside zone. But we're going deeper and deeper, like Anabakayach, which is 42 words, which we say every time we're going higher. Like before we go to sleep at night, we say Anabakayach. Uh, before we daven, we say Anabakayach. Uh, Friday night, before the Chodaydi, we say, oh, This is the, the name of Hashem that takes us on an elevator, that elevates us from the bottom up. And that's why sometimes they traveled in the morning, sometimes they traveled in the evening, which means a world where, you know, this changes, up and down, sometimes more light, Sometimes but this is all taking place in the outer world, where we need to do the Avodah. And then eventually, after all the Avoid is done, we will go back with Moshe, with Mashiach, to taste Terase Mashiach, to have Triassa and live in this state of perfect oneness with Hashem. But all of this is through the power of Moshe Rabbeinu Avon, which implies two things. The journey into the infinite, into the Ein Sof, the experience of vayaminu Bashem, the Uz Yashir, and all of that is through Moshe. But also, the outer journey, when we're fighting with the darkness, is also through Moshe. Moshe gives us the koyach, even in the lower havaya, in Torah mitzvahs and all these things. All the power of Moshe. So what is this whole, whole, whole mimer? This whole mimer is like an introduction to Yudshvat. What's a rebbe? What's 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 the whole idea of Basilegani? Dafke through to the seventh one. Moshe Huachavivin is what we're talking about.